I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone when each day is through. Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you because you're mine. I walk the line. As sure as night is dark and day is light, I keep you on my mind both day and night. And happiness I've known proves that it's right because you're mine. I walk the line. And good morning, all things SR. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Pam. Great song selection. And good morning, Mr. Miss. Yeah, it wasn't. It was good. I thought it was apropos to today's. Oh practice. yeah. You know, um, but and and Johnny Cash did walk many lines <laughs> and snorted a few too. Uh, but that's oh another God, story. I guess. Well, all true, all true. That is true. It is true. He found his way out, though. That's. A blessing. That was the good part. That was the good so, part. Yes. Not everybody does. <laughs> nope, not everybody does is right. So, yes, we got to love Johnny Cash. And I happen to like Joaquin Phoenix's characterization of You him. know, he did a great I job was that. just thinking that, and I was going to say, if you've not seen that movie, it is a must-see. Well, first of all, Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, he's crazy talented. And that movie was so good. And his portrayal was just, it was just powerful. Really stunning. It was. Uh, it was. Shell says it's 47 and cloudy a- where she is. And Elena is a chilly 18 degrees on the coast of Maine. It's... 18 degrees here in Harrisburg as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, no, that's that's fine. It, it's, it's a uh, it's a balmy. <laughs> <laughs> a balmy day outside. Oh my gosh. It's 14 degrees and in my, Western PA Anna is saying enough already. <laughs> And according to uh, my uh, WTF forecast, <laughs> oh my God, it's fucking cold and dark and shitty outside. <laughs> Although the sun is I was going to say, it's about. wow, 16 degrees where Lori is. It has been just too cold mm-hmm. here. I'm shocked to hear that, Lori. You're usually in one of the hot spots. Mm-hmm. I know, but yeah, I, I just hope that gosh, your uh, your electricity holds out mm. after and and uh, somebody's not running off to where, where was it? Jamaica ran off to <laughs> after the cold snap that Texas had that year. Oh my what? gosh! It's, it's about it's about nineteen here. Oh, well, it is January, well, right? I mean, this is yes, it is uh, climate appropriate weather. But as Elena said earlier, mm-hmm. she's uh, <laughs> focusing and dreaming of San Juan. 
<laughs> Ready for the sunshine. Well, Maine's got yeah, and Maine's gotten hit pretty hard with the weather. From what I from I was talking to Elena earlier this week, and she was telling me uh, about all these different areas and the beaches that have been eroded mm -hmm. from their storms. Yeah, it's it's been pretty so, powerful. Yep. And Anna notes a friend in Kiowa mm -hmm. Island says it's thirty two degrees. Wow, mm -hmm. wow, that's freezing for them down there well obviously 32 degrees fahrenheit is freezing no. but <laughs> Lori, you're so funny i i i am I'm, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on that one. cancun something about border patrol hey i'd be happy to border i'd patrol. be happy to head to cancun <laughs> sign me up i've never been and betty's joining us Patrick, today Patrick. Good morning, Betty. Uh, Patrick's friend, or Patrick's friend, Patrick and his friends celebrated his 18th birthday in Cancun. Oh, wow. For spring break. And it was one of those things where, do I let him go? <laughs> <laughs> he, he'll be 18 the day after he leaves. Um, right. Do I let him go? <clears throat> and uh, he did. He mm -hmm. made a tattoo that I told him was going to cost him a fortune to remove, and he said, "He said I am." <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, that was that was that was the day I will always remember him. Well, coming, he and his friends, his friend Josh and Rich, Big Rich. And they're walk coming out. I'm waiting for them at the terminal by the, I guess, by baggage claim or whatever <laughs> at, at JFK. And he's got a bag, and he's holding his his T-shirt up over the tattoo as he's walking out. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> God, God damn you. <laughs> but yes. And uh, Senorita Frog. Oh yes, yes. Anna notes. That, Anna that said a friend is in Cancun this week, and she's so jealous. So am I. Mm -hmm. She said she loves Cancun, all the inclusive resorts. And Lori noted that Cancun is wonderful, but Ted Cruz went at a very inappropriate time. And Elena yes, said the entire coast where she lives is decimated. Billions of dollars of repairs. The little beach mm. I go to is now out in the ocean. She said. Sadly, most of the dunes along our coast have also washed away. Um, and I noticed that, Elena, my, I follow the Newport, Rhode Island uh, news feeds um, since my friend has a place up there. And wow, watching some of the, the coastal erosion happening and the waves, um, so powerful. The storms are really, really, you know, it, it does make you, of course, appreciate um, the awe of Mother Nature, right? I mean, uh -huh. it is a powerful, it's a powerful scene. And uh, Betty said, with all this cold weather, farmers must be making a fortune with all the hot cocoa people are making. At least that's what I imagine. What, Betty, no reference, <laughs> no direct reference to Paul? I was waiting for, I was waiting for the, the dairy farmer uh, Paul reference. <laughs> And and uh, Shell's <laughs> Shell said Cruz is always inappropriate. Um, and sadness, black lab lady for the coast. Um, 
Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. it's going to be a lot. Um, but that's I mean it's the nature of nature, right? She said, that is not true. just Maine. Most of the Northeast got hit very hard. So I just hope everyone's staying warm and safe in the midst of this. Um, I do know where we are. It's supposed to warm up a little bit this week. <laughs> Anna says Mother mm -hmm. Nature is definitely bipolar and off meds. <laughs> or something. Anna, you're so funny. Uh, and, and I and I have not heard anything from this. I follow this lobsterman out of uh, down East Maine um, by the guy by the name of Jacob Knowles, and uh, I haven't heard anything from him in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know what's going on there. I mean, he he usually has some sort of fun lobster tidbit coming up when he brings his traps. Up. Mm. He has a he had he's had, and I'll be honest with you, he's had these. Lobsters that I have been huge, mm. huge, and then females with tens of thousands of eggs, and and you know he's very good about notching them and throwing them back in the ocean. Although in Canada, I just read Nova Scotia, they're allowing fishermen to take them now. Oh, I did because of overbreeding or something. Oh, interesting. Some, some something like that. Yeah, which which I was like, whoa. Anyway. But yeah, so I'm I I'm looking. I've been looking for him lately to see what he's what's going on with him. Anyway, and Betty says Mother Nature needs to listen to the boss. You can be anything, Mother Nature. Be kind. <laughs> That's exactly right. Elena saying the missing yeah, dunes are especially sad as they are protected. It's the only breeding ground of the eastern laced tern. Poor little birds. Mm -hmm. yeah. So hopefully, yeah, they that's they have they, they'll they rebuild have the habitat. At the, at the, it'll take a while. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, he, uh, I know the Jersey Shore in the town of Avalon for many many mm -hmm. years. They tore the dunes down right in front of the houses so that you could see the ocean that we're lining. Oh yeah, there. Or when you're walking on the boardwalk, you can see the ocean. And through the years, the school kids have gotten together every year, and they plant dune grasses, and they put these, like, snow fences up to collect the sand and everything. And some of the areas, like down where, uh, down the south end of the town, where my uncle's house was, you literally were walking one block through dunes in order to even get to the beach. Which was great. I had no problem with it, but it was just, you know, I, and it protected that, the ocean side down that end. In fact, the hotel that I worked on was on the beach, and because of the dunes, they had no water in their hotel. So, that was during Hurricane Season. Mm. They signed, that was a different story. But, yeah, so it's, it's a shame that they're gone. Yeah. No, they'll come back some way. They will. Slowly. Look at it this way. We have about, um, let's see, two, three, about three and a half weeks to pictures and Yes, pictures. girl. Yes. That is it. That is the first sign of spring for me. Same here. And and about, um, um, was it a month and a half, two months to, uh, to uh, Puerto Rico? Oh, my gosh. It's about two months. And which means 
And I, I said this in my work call because the, a huge event that I'm organizing for a client um, will be over on the 15th of March. And when I, when I made the comment, yes, this will be over and it will be over in two months. So I heard, I heard like a visible, uh, like a gasp. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, it's really soon. So as Pam can attest, I've, I've said, I feel like I've been in, I'm in finals week, but it, the finals week is lasting for a month. Lots and lots and lots of things to do. So Mm-hmm. I do love what I do, though, so it's it's good. It's just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Kenzie, who's now on this on the program. Good morning, Kenzie. Good morning, Kenzie. Um, we were goofing last night. We were goofing one or last night. Saying, <laughs> I'm always busy. It's a lot. I've had a lot to do, but it's all good. <laughs> It is. I like what I do. I know. And I told you, there have been times I've been really, really busy and it's not been all good. I can think of a particular time when I was working at the Department of State when it was not all good because of the content I was dealing with. Uh, Yeah. So Betty wants to know if James says she knows that James is going down to Passion Con. Can you imagine James and Julio singing I'm just <laughs> to Melanie? Oh my God. <laughs> yes, Betty. Yes. <laughs> that I think I honestly, <laughs> oh, can't you just see that happening? Oh, Betty, you have to let James know about that. Cause I, yeah, they have to, and they and they have to be on the beach to do. That. Well, either on the beach, but honestly, they last time at PassionCon they had a karaoke. Uh, it, they after the party, uh, it kind of had it turned into a karaoke session, and oh my gosh, uh, I I would be crying, laughing so hard that would be great. And Lori said Puerto Rico <laughs> is going to be so good, Pam. They're going to have so many of the actors there. You stay super busy, Leslie. I'm Lori. This the trip is motivating me. It's kind of my my late at the end of the busy work tunnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Betty said, "I would love to see that all the energy." <laughs> <laughs> Have all the male actors out on the beach singing. I'm just. Kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just. You know who else? Would, who else would be game for that? It would be Andrew from uh, Wait with Me. Oh, probably. He seems like such uh, a funny. funny, good sport. Um, it would be really, really funny. So, mm-hmm. it's good to see Kenzie online. This is such a. We actually combined two chapters this week, chapter 30 and 31. Um, yes, we did. And it's some pretty powerful content. <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I, I, yeah, I forgot we were at this point in the book. Um, so there's a lot to dig into here. Um, there's an awful lot. To yeah, learn. yeah. And uh, we got some great insight. Uh, you know, the other thing, Pam, that I realized we uh, need to do, and I think, yeah, yeah, I think we can also cover as um, 
SR did respond um, to questions last week as well. Last so we're going right. to start um, with the news and then hit some uh, of his responses from last week and then dig into the chapter this week. So. Right, right. So th this is, this big news this year is that he has selected the uh, Lenten reading and that book will be The Way of the Pilgrim. And he's using the RM French translation. Uh, the book was mentioned in Gabriel's Redemption, and it's a favorite of SR's. It, it, uh, the book follows a Russian pilgrim on his journey in learning how to pray, and it's from the mid-19th century with, of Russian Orthodox spirituality. Lent begins on the 14th. Um, check his blog post, and he will, he will be a guest on the podcast, uh, Date to be Decided. Decided. Yes. So, and in fact, I just put that, um, his, uh, note to us in the chat. So you have it and I'm going to his blog mm -hmm. now. So, um, I'll put yes. the blog post in there as well. Okay. And that okay. way people have it. And, uh, yeah. And so he, and he continues to write also the book, he's encouraging any of our Russian listeners, he's encouraging to read the book as well. Um, it is translated in Russia, in Russian, and uh, I hope you'll join us uh, when he comes. So, yeah, so he continues to write, and uh, he hopes to have the book out this year and, you know, be able to give, give more information as the time comes. In fact, um, Elena said she read, she ordered hers last night, and Kenzie says, "Good thing I already own it." Good thing I already own it. I know if you wanted a hard copy, I looked on Amazon. If you want a hard copy, the hard copies are sixty dollars, but the book itself in paperback is not that expensive. It's also one. I was going to say it might be so on anything. Kindle as well. Um, it is. It is. He mentioned. Yeah, you know. I, I, I think it will be, I remember he referenced it in redemption and I think it's, I think it's really an appropriate tie in as well. Um, since we're covering the book right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. It's really, really good. So I will cover his questions from last week and, um, before I go there, though, I am just excited that he's continuing to write. It just, yeah. because I know he loves to do that. So the fact he's writing mm -hmm. and he's doing something he's enjoying um, is just a good thing. It brings me um, happiness for him. Absolutely. And, and I always love reading. It's, li it's, like your, it's like your work. It's a lot. It's hard. You're doing, you're being crazy. <laughs> but, but I love it. It's all it good. is all good. <laughs> it really is all good. Yeah. So last week, as you remember, uh, it was a really um, emotional chapter because Julia talked to her dad um, about got the got the email. She was avoiding emails because of the last email she read was from Paul, who was breaking the friendship. Um, and that was very traumatic for her and she stayed off her computer a couple days and then saw the, the note for her to call her father. And then they found out about, um, mm -hmm. the scary news that they were in the hospital, uh, because of, uh, problems with the little, uh, unborn baby. So mm -hmm. 
we asked SR if did Julia believe Paul would be open to having a friendship in the future? And SR said, I'm not sure Julia believes that Paul will change his mind about the future. His response was fairly stark. And then the other question we asked him is, do you do, you do research on hypoplastic left heart syndrome? As you know, we SR loves to do his research. And um, obviously, we we're kind of curious about him including that in the book. And uh, <laughs> Betty says, me and Rose's broken voice to Paul, come back, come back. <laughs> Betty, you're priceless. Um, so in regards to the research question, SR said, I did quite a bit of research on hypoplastic left heart syndrome. The hospital mentioned in the book, um, which is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, is actually a leading center for research and treatment. And so that's one of the reasons I highlighted it. Since the publication of Gabriel's Redemption in 2013, I've heard from more than one reader who had or is a child with the same syndrome. It's been good to hear about their experiences. So, yes, SR, of course, does not disappoint. And he did the research. And I think it's very powerful that, you know, it, it shows the power of reading and the power of words and connection that readers would actually reached out to him who had this experience. Because I think that was probably a really... Um, as always, I know SR likes to hear from the readers, so I think that was a very um, mm -hmm. meaningful communication with them. It was. And, you know, he, well, he didn't answer this in the email that uh, he responded to. It was a question I had, which, he, which is answered actually within this in Chapter 30, which was, was when at the end, if you remember, Gabriel was kind of concerned mm -hmm. about whether this heart defect was genetic or or what have you, and you know family histories and and, and stuff. And he 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 aimed, he answered it by going into a flashback, right? And uh, he it was like, you know. Gabriel's out like a light, passed out in his bed, and he's like, he he says, Gabriel, baby, it's time to wake up, and and he could feel this soft hand and a very sexy voice, and uh, so he and he really wasn't sure who he was lying next to. Right, naked. and I think also the thing that uh, I, I it helped, and it helped me when we were reading it, the way he does the titles with the chapters. Um, setting the uh -huh. setting and the date so this was back in cambridge right in august of 2003. 2003 so it kind of for me that was super helpful and i was like wow this is way back mm -hmm. it's not just you know a couple of years ago this was way back right it did go way back so he he had a he cautiously opened his eyes only to see it was uh paulina and uh, when she greeted, had greeted him, he he kind he groaned. It was like, oh, you know, what, what, you know, why isn't this the person that I was hoping for, or whatever, in in, in his bed? Um, he had a pounding headache, and all he wanted to do was sleep. But he was a teaching assistant for Professor Pearson, and uh, Pearson wouldn't have accepted that. In fact, she, he wasn't even sure Pearson would have accepted death as an excuse. Mm. Showing up. 
And so, you know, Pauline is like, you know, she's chiding him and, you know, sliding her hand down his chest and trying, you know, trying to gently wake him up and, you know, it, you know, he's saying, you know, you, you've got to get up to shower and breakfast and I thought we could fill in the blank. Mm. And uh, as soon as uh, he, her hand reached his groin, whatever opportunity he had uh, kind of went mm -hmm. away. So, you know, and he, he was, she was a little upset with that because, you know, like when you're pregnant, how big you get, and you're very self-conscious about the fact that you're getting bigger. And, and Betty, Betty noted yeah. Gabriel was really bad to Paulina. This part is painful to read. And, oh. and in fact, it uh, was. If, Pam and I were talking about that before. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really, yeah, really, really difficult to uh, read. It was, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they, I, I, I put him in the same category as Pacciani in this, in this yeah. chapter. Uh, <clears throat> I said he was worse, in my worse. opinion, than Pacciani in this chapter. Equally yeah. bad, yeah. right? There's no, you're not comparing. Right. I, I shouldn't compare because they're both really horrific so you know so as as uh she told him she could make him feel good and and you know and she's hugging him and kissing him kissing him kissing his neck and he's like get away from me and he just says not now and he entangles himself from her and he gets out of the bed and all of his attention goes to the end nightstand right beside the bed there's a mirror with a razor blade and some leftover powder on the mirror and uh, so he arranged everything and he got up what he could get from the mirror and snorted the through a five dollar bill the a line of coke uh he lit a cigarette forgetting that you know they weren't going to do anything that would hurt the baby and uh, he couldn't figure out who Paulina was. Was it, you know, was it a girlfriend? He didn't know what she was at this point in time. He was really being an ass. Um, and uh, she got up and she left the room so that the baby wouldn't be exposed to, to smoke. You know, and it's funny because with cocaine, cocaine habits are very weird. I can remember when I was in my 20s, I had a good friend, Tara, who had a wonderful career in production. She did commercials, she did video mm -hmm. shoots for, I, I know one she did with Pete Rose one time for Grecian Formula. I mean, she was really into it and she had a real, it was a great job. She sometimes didn't have to go in until 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning. But I, I spent the night at her house one night cause I had driven her home. And uh, I remember before she got into bed she had to do a line of coke. Oof. And I was like, you know, that that to me was just and, like, you know, I'll be very honest with you. I've tried it. I can count on one hand the amount of times I tried it. But um, I would never have been able to sleep with a line of well, coke. Well, yeah, I, I, I honestly have never heard anyone do that as a bedtime ritual. <laughs> Usually it's to keep oh, you from um, keep you from uh, bedtime. So that's really well. She offered me. She offered me a line. I'm like, no, Ugh. thank you. 
Yeah, it's it's just oh my gosh, this part is. Uh, it's it is, and it's the, you know, as I mentioned to Pam, I don't view it as being Gabriel. I'm viewing it as the addiction, which was so horrific. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. there is some accountability for the person, right, and the choices they make. But this is someone just th- really in the throes of it, and it's yeah. When you see someone who is so when, focused at such sole purpose is just where they can get their next hit and their next fix, it's it's really it's frightening. It is terrifying. It, it can be frightening, and I've seen that, and it's horrific. I have too. Um, Betty notes part of me is if glad. Have you ever seen anybody withdraw? Makes it even scarier. Well, I've seen it with alcohol, and um, yeah, and as you know, that did not end well for my brother-in-law. So Betty said, part of me is glad this didn't make it in the film, but it was also waters down how bad Gabriel was. So if you never read the books, you think Gabriel was not a cruel man. This is why I think Paul was a better man, team Paul all the way. And Elena notes, agreed, though I don't believe Gabriel would ever be physically abusive to Paulina like Pacciani was to CFP. Shell notes, Pacciani is immoral. Gabriel was on drugs. Redem didn't think he did anything. Um, right. Very true, Shell. And she said, I don't condone Gabriel's behavior. But if Paulina didn't stay, she would have not been in a bad situation. Betty says, say no to drugs. Shell said, she knew he was like, she had a place to go and chose not to leave. Well, that's a typical abusive relationship right there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, the abuse yeah. can be emotional as well as physical. So it's like <laughs> addict and I treat the, the drug people in their homes. <laughs> I know, and then Elena says, "Okay, Rumi, no white powder at the resort, please." <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I can honestly say I have not done any kind of drug except for prescribed drugs, which I take now that I'm older. Uh, since 1980. Mm. So pot was making me crazy and Coke was just too expensive. I'm just glad you're well and not in any kind of throes like this. You know, I I have awareness about alcohol and drugs and addicts and alcoholics that did that was far from where I was going to um samesies so Mm -hmm. um are you should I pick up the next bit yeah you can okay yeah you can so Gabriel showered and dressed and drank a cup of coffee um the cup that Paulina had placed for him on the sink brushed his teeth, focused on the work he had to take care of for Professor Pearson. He did not have the time to focus on his life. And if he had, he would have seen that he was a slave to cocaine, cigarettes, coffee, and alcohol. And he was a slave to his passions, especially when he was not being affected (laughs) by, as Pam wrote, the Irish curse. Uh Even though he was living with Paulina and even though she was pregnant with his child, 
he still had plenty of other women. He just never thought about stopping. He just did it. So he was going from one thing to the other and just always in the moment, not thinking of any consequences, having no regard for himself or others in what he was doing. And uh, Paulina was watching from the doorway and she told him he was very handsome. And of course, Gabriel just ignored her as he usually did. He was also ignoring the dark circles under his bloodshot eyes. He was also about 10 to 15 pounds lighter than his normal weight. So this is him kind of deep in the throes of his addiction right now at this point. Paulina had made breakfast of scrambled eggs and toast, but Gabriel wasn't hungry. And she tried reasoning with him to no avail. And he told her to get off of his ass. And she apologized, saying that it was on the table with fruit and coffee. And his eyes watched her through the mirror and she smiled and went into the kitchen. So she kept trying to make things better for him. She kept trying to fix things for him, it seemed. Betty notes, Paulina loved him. Sadly, she was not in a good mental place, especially when she was pregnant. I think she was too vulnerable and that is why she stayed with Gabriel. Shell says, I don't see Paulina as the victim. She claims to be. It was not Gabriel's fault for the miscarriage. And Elena said, I'm so boring. I've never smoked pot or tried any type of recreational drug. Even, never even smoked a cigarette, even though I was married to a drummer in a rock band for a time. <laughs> Are you sure you want me as a roommate, Pam? <laughs> Elena, she might be able to corrupt you. You never know. Elena. <laughs> Elena. I'm too old to rock and roll, but I'm too young to die. <laughs> Thank you, Jethro. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Betty noted Gabriel's lucky he didn't end up infected with HIV. And uh, Anna notes, I hate when addiction is only deemed a disease. There is an element of choice. Hence that Gabriel did overcome his addiction is remarkable. I don't adv adhere to the therapist he had. Um, I just had a client die of fentanyl overdose this week. The 18-month-old is in a pre-adoptive home, tried to reach reunification and referred treatment too many times to count. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to hear about that, Elena. Yeah. Uh, Anna, I, can, I understand where you're coming from. I, that was the issue of my, the last four or five years of my son's life, actually. So I... I I can relate that, to that. That is that is part of the uh, part of addiction, the addiction story. Yep. Um, it is so sad, Lori said, um, and it is. Anna also um, said Pauline is not the victim, and sorry, that is just my assessment. And Betty said the fact that Paulina tried to make a home out of this weird situation makes me think she was naive or optimistic that something would change in the relationship. And I think that is part of the uh, part of the codependency. Well, and and she was naive, and she was optimistic, mm -hmm. and she was blinded by love. You know, she had this love, or what she thought was love. I think she did love him. I I think she, and I think she loved what she thought could be, not what is. Um, she she was loving the fantasy, not the reality. Um, well, I I also think that to a certain extent, women 
um, who I know, not necessarily Paulina in Paul, but in Paulina's environment, but not necessarily like Paulina, always feel that they can um, redeem or, or make somebody better by just their presence. And, and it's possible she felt that way. You know, I mean, it's, that's a, a common occurrence, especially with uh, alcoholics and drug addicts and, and the people that are in their lives. They always think they could, you know, their love will change them to what they should be. And unfortunately, that's... Right. Well, as Anna succinctly put it, delusional. And um, Shell also noted but that was her problem, not his problem. And... Uh, Elena noted that she certainly can relate to the story Anna shared, as some here know um, in the podcast, and we do. Um, Elena lost her only nephew to a fentanyl overdose. Um, heroin fentanyl is a terrible addiction. Yeah, it's it's gripping and yep. it's really hard. I know, I was, you know, coming into the podcast, I was like, oh, this is really tough. <coughs> these, these chapters are tough, and I know they can really raise um a lot of emotion um and possibly be triggering so i know you guys read this and know what it's about and i think it's an interesting uh chapter to discuss um and shell sent hugs and strength to you elena and anna notes uh, in general, the man is maligned when he doesn't reciprocate the feelings or fantasy of the female. And I think that's true. true. It is more, it, you know, as as uh, Shell said, it, it's Paulina's issue. And, um, yeah, Lori noted fentanyl is killing so many people right now. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, you know, I'll be honest with you, the only time I ever had ever heard of fentanyl was uh, through hospice because it's a drug that they keep in, and they have like a, I think mm -hmm. it's, I want to say it's a crash kit, but it's a, it's a, a kit that is given to every hospice patient when they enter into hospice. And it contains drugs that will kill pain and, and what have you. And, and that was the only time. And I can remember when my, my uncle passed away, the hospice nurse that came in and pronounced him, um, we immediately got the kit out of the refrigerator and put the uh, those drugs into old coffee grounds mm -hmm. so they could be thrown away. So yeah, it, was interesting. it is. Um, and Betty noted in the chat. Remember the first time Paulina met Gabriel. Gabriel actually came to her rescue. He saved her from that guy who wanted to rape her at Oxford. So. I think he is, she is holding on to that image of Gabriel, the guy who defended her. Um, so this is another reason why I think she held on to him for so long. I think that's a really, really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she probably put him on a pedestal mm -hmm. at some point. So Gabriel, um, as, as he saw Paulina going into the kitchen, he was soon dressed in the uniform of a Harvard man, corduroy blazer with elbow patches, Levi's. And then he sat at the table and forced down the breakfast. Um, he had a third cup of coffee and was about to light another cigarette when he noticed Paulina staring at him hungrily. And he asked, what? You know, you could, I, I could see him being so dismissive and just almost um, mm -hmm. um, angry when he says this. 
She moved to sit Uh on his lap, putting her arms around his neck, and he groaned and did not notice the wince on her face as he did so. She was super sensitive to whatever he did to her. I noticed that too. Like she she fixated on everything about him and she reacted in every way and tried to counter everything. She then whispered to him that she knew he was in a hurry, but just kiss me before you leave. As he started to complain, she cut him off by reverently kissing him. And his body at this point started to react and he was kissing her back. And then Pauline in the meantime was begging, saying, please, we'll, just, we'll be really quick. And he lifted her to her feet saying, I don't have time, maybe tonight. And then Paulina started pushing back on this comment. But you don't, you won't because you write at night and it's been a while and I love you. So she's begging and pleading for him to show her some physical attention. And Gabriel said he'd make the time as Paulina pointed out. You rarely do make the time. And her eyes filled with tears and her lower lip started to quiver. And as Betty said, seriously, I wanted to strangle Gabriel. So he's, you know, rolling in his eyes and being so dismissive and said, fine, but it has to be quick. He pushed his chair back and pointed to his crotch and said, just get started. And her eyes alight, she knelt between his legs and pulled down his zipper. So, oh, like, gosh. I was I I I was ready to kill Gabriel in this. I truly, truly was so disgusted with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, Shell said Gabriel apologized for his mistakes and even for things that weren't his fault. Paulina never did. She forgave Gabriel, but never accepted her faults or apologized for her abuse. And yeah, Shell said, "Boo, freaking who? Cry me a river, Paulina." Sorry, she said. I just don't like her. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a, uh, the Gabriel Paulina dynamic here, you know, Gabriel's just not even, he's just doing one, he's going through motions. He's fixated on Harvard and pleasing professor Peterson or Pearson and getting his next fix. I mean, and whatever he wants, whenever he wants, he'll just take it and do it. And he has no regard for anybody. Right. Um, no, he doesn't. And Elena pointed out that she has no problem discussing her nephew Jason's OD because it it's good. First of all, it's good to talk about. Um, not just not just for the the grief aspect of it, but it, you know, it makes people aware of what's going on too. Because a lot of people they they kind of brush it off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's another uh, good outcome of these books and the community around the books, because it does raise the issue that allows people to talk about it um, in a in a space that's open and um, accepting. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, as Betty's seeing Betty's comment in the chat and, and at this point, especially you know, Paulina's deserved better, she said. All women deserve better. And Shell notes, Paulina could have gone elsewhere for better treatment. And Elena notes, Paulina was just too needy for me. Come on, girl. Put on your big girl pants. Betty said, if Krista met this version of Gabriel, she would be disgusted too and never go after him. 
I think you're right. Probably. I think you're right on that. Because she she had very disconcerting tastes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Anna says, Pauline is a clinging leech at this time. It's very sad. So disrespectful of self. Honestly, I'm disgusted of Paulina. I actually feel sorry for Gabriel. You malign Gabriel for being self-centered at this time, yet you're okay with Julianne. Uh, with his Julianne is so fixated on Harvard. Hmm. And Elena says, I don't think so, Betty. I would think it would be just be a bigger challenge for her in terms of Oh, of Krista, I'm guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in one thing, if she's just after the physical, um, if 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 Gabriel was at a state where he could uh, perform, function, um, yeah, if he wasn't suffering the Irish curse, maybe she would just put him as a notch in her her uh, on her bed frame. But what could he give her? He had no money. He really didn't at that point. He didn't have any. Well, but he had his his looks and his attractiveness. I know, but she. I but she always had to have a gift. I don't know. I feel like I. You remember she got the watch from the the guy who took her virginity. The school teacher gave her a necklace. Um, the priest. I don't know what he gave her. Yeah, See, I, I thought it was uh, just I, getting the things, the attain, the uh, the unattainable, or the the person but that. I don't think he would have been. He wasn't that un, uh, unattainable. I guess it was just the. I don't know. I don't know. Krista mm-hmm. likes power. She gets stuff from guys. CFP is a high price call girl. Shell said Gabriel wasn't in authority. Basically, there, there was no challenge for CFP. Shell said. I think that's probably right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And Betty said the priest let her touch a painting. Oh, that's right. That's what he got from her. Yeah, I don't know. That would have been a good question to ask SR. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of questions to ask SR. Yes. Um, we we asked if it was it difficult writing this chapter. And SR said there were challenges in including the flashbacks. Usually editors don't like such things, but I had set the precedent in Gabriel's Inferno with the Orchard flashback, and so my editor was supportive. I was concerned that the reconciliation with Paulina would not be as meaningful if we didn't see this dysfunction of their time together. Originally, those scenes were in the script for uh, the films, but I told Tosca I didn't think readers would mind leaving them out. I was concerned about horrifying readers. And I think Gabriel loved, I think Paulina loved Gabriel, but was unwilling to be realistic about it and to encourage him to seek help. Um, And actually, I think that was an answer to another question. Hold on. Uh, Let me post this so you guys have that. I thought that was a pretty um, powerful thing for SR to... Mm -hmm ask not to have that scene in Um, because I think that that scene was, it it does explain a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. it does explain a whole lot of things. And, you know, I think 
knowing that he, you know, was conscious about it. I think that was kind of important. Um, oh, interesting. I'm trying to cut and paste this. I can't. So the other, one of the other questions was, did Paulina think she could change Gabriel? And SR said, I think Paulina loved Gabriel, but was unwilling to be realistic about it and to encourage him to seek help. So, yeah, that was actually something I was wondering, too, if she ever called him on his addiction. Um, and I'm not sure if he ever, if she ever did no, that. I don't be, think she did. I think she just wanted him to like her and love her and she didn't do that. I, there's a lot of comments in the chat right now. Um, Kenzie said, I think if they included them in the movie, it would have made it more meaningful like the book. Um, shell notes, Paulina was and is selfish. Betty said, I don't think Gabriel would listen to anyone who would ask Gabriel to seek help um, while well, he didn't listen to his parents, right? Not at first. Right. Shell said, at first anyway, Shell said she only wanted what she wanted and was angry when she didn't get it. And um, I think that's true as well. Um, and the other question we asked SR is... Um, did she realize, did Paulina realize Gabriel was an addict or was she blinded by love? And SR said for Gabriel, he falsely believed he could control his relationship with alcohol and that drinking wouldn't abrogate his sobriety. Um, oh wait, nope, that's the wrong question, guys, sorry. Um, <laughs> the, this next question is, uh, for the next chapter. So do you want to go, you want to go yeah. to chapter 31, yeah, Pam? Yeah, we'll go to chapter 31. We're back in, in present day Umbria or present day as of 2000. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, he, yeah, he's unable to sleep. He's been tossing, turning his mind. You know, you get at night when things play in your mind and you twist and turn and his memories especially of Paulina and, and everything were were just kept going that's why I said that you know the one of the questions I asked about um you know how his reaction would be from last week to the news about Tom's and Diane's baby was answered in this this uh, particular chapter um so he, he's tired, he's getting up and gets out of bed and he's downstairs and he, he just to get a drink. But as he got in the kitchen, he's cursing because all the alcohol, except for a couple of bottles of white wine that Julia liked, had been taken out. And he's, he's looking, he thought maybe he could, he, he wanted scotch, but all the scotch was gone. And his hands were shaking um, for the desire for a drink. And he quickly ran through the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, focusing on a power greater than ourselves. And he prayed, prayed, help me God, please. He closed his eyes and he blesses himself and he was desperate and conflicted. 
he knew that the car keys were there and he could drive to a local tavern and drink. And by the time he got home, Julia would be still asleep upstairs and she wouldn't even have known that he was gone. Um, I think talk about a delusional. I think that's a bit delusional. <laughs> or wishful thinking. But, 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 there, but there are a lot of drug, drunks that mm -hmm. do that. To be very honest with you, they'll get up and leave in the middle of the night and go to the bar and hang out and or, come back. Or go pull the vodka out of and, the toilet. <laughs> or wherever. Out yeah. of the hidey holes. Uh, I, had, I, I used to work for a woman, God rest her soul, I shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but she used to have a pint bottle that she would keep in the toilet mm -hmm. tank at work. Oh, oh. And... When it got too much for her, she would go into the bathroom and get the bottle out and drink from the bottle. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, so he, he's he's struggling. He really yeah, is Yeah, and it, I mean, that's the way SR wrote this chapter, especially, mm -hmm. and it's very powerful, the fact, and I'm glad his editor went, was, went along for the ride of doing the flashbacks because I think that, mm -hmm. I really think that is a, an element of the book that is really strong because it, it helps to, right. it, it helps for so many things. It, it, it provides answers to why people are acting the way they are. It also provides mm -hmm. uh, fodder as well for demonstrating the character progression and the growth of the, the character arc. Um, right. So I thought that was really good, but boy, this, this one, he just, he, he just had this craving and he couldn't, Stop. Right. Well, one of the questions that was asked was, uh, did, did Gabriel believe alcohol was less of a threat than cocaine? And SR responded saying, for Gabriel, he falsely believed he could control his relationship to alcohol and that drinking wouldn't abrogate his sobriety. But this isn't consistent with 12-step programs. And, uh, as we've seen, he didn't have a healthy relationship to alcohol, so it was better that he stopped drinking. You know, as much as he loved his Lafroy, Lafroy always got him in trouble when he was at, at lobby. Mm. This this is true. And and looking in the chat, Anna had said she treats functional addicted patients very differently. Um, she doesn't require AA or NA um, for them because I don't feel the patient needs to have that group as their core group. Plus I utilize family group a lot. So everything and everyone is in the loop. Rational recovery is often helpful. Gabriel to me is a functional user. Um, and Kenzie also noted that with Paulina, uh, the love was unrequited and Gabriel mistreated her. So I wanted to make sure we got those comments in. Um, and, uh, Betty noted, I can't help but think of the parallels between Gabriel and Paulina and Paul and Allison. Both women are in love and seem to want to want something serious with Gabriel and Paul, yet both Gabriel and Paul don't seem as interested in a relationship. The difference here is Gabriel and Paulina ended up using drugs and getting pregnant, and Paul and Allison are just hanging out because Paul wants to take it slow. I think it is that whole that thread of unrequited love. Um, or mm -hmm. maybe not unrequited, or maybe it's more unrequited romantic love, right? Because both, right. both, well, later on, I mean, there was some level of care for Paulina, um, but there was, 
definitely caring between Paul. I mean, care. Paul probably loved Allison as a friend, but not more than a friend. And it, it, and it, it, it came around hard. It did come around hard. For yeah. Um, Shell said. But oh, I ahead. also. Go ahead. No, you. I, I just saw Shell put in. Um, Gabriel has changed. He struggles, but he still tries. Gets harassed by Julie and others um, that live in glass houses. And Anna said, that's why I don't treat with a 12-step program. Yeah, and I, and, you know, I can see your point, Anna, because I know people that have, have uh, uh, gone through therapy as opposed to 12-step programs and are doing well, and I've seen, and, but I've also seen 12-step programs that work, if you will. Well, I think like anything, um, right? And you have to find what's working mm -hmm. for you. It's not, no, nothing's oh, yeah, cookie cutter is my... You know, right. even having the right counselor, I mean, you have to find the right um, therapist mm -hmm. who who can you connect with. It's it's it, there's nothing cookie cutter about it. And that's why I'm always in awe no. of what you do, Anna. It's this is not easy stuff. And Anna said she does believe um, at this time Gabriel could have a drink and not relapse. Yes, that's a possibility. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um I know I, I've had, and I asked SR this question as well, having had family in AA, as well as my, my dad was a drug and alcohol counselor. My dad was sober the last 40 years of his life. Um, are you, you know, the, the dreams and the desires that addicted persons have? I mean, I, you know, I, I can remember being in an open meeting one time and people talking about, um, the fact that they are dreaming and they just want to drink, or they or they get really upset because they've got they they have drank a bottle of vodka or a bottle of scotch or whatever in their dreams, and it's just so real for them. Um, but I asked if he had researched that, and uh, he said I did. And like you, Pam, I I am close to AA. Um, I'm convinced the program works if you work the program, and I've tried to encourage people to give AA or NA a chance. So. Well, I think, as we were saying, whatever therapy works, whatever approach works for you, the fact that if mm -hmm. you are someone who's accepting and open to going in that direction, um, mm -hmm. It's that intention, and sometimes people in addiction just never get to the point where they're willing or True. ready to choose. And some people transfer the addiction of the drug or the alcohol to the to the program, and I th I think that was partially what my dad did because I know that once he started AA, he was at meetings every single day, sometimes more than mm -hmm. once a day. And uh, it, he would—he had been sober, I think, about seven or eight years when he decided to go back to be and get his counseling certificate for this. And uh, I know he—he he interned at uh, Marlboro State Hospital up at uh, up in um, Bruce Springsteen's mm -hmm. hometown, around there. Um, but I know he did that. He was there for about a, I think a year, year and a half. And then he, and then he worked with the Salvation Army for the rest of his adult working life. And, uh, it was, 
for him, you know, I, 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 I truly believe that, you know, he chose to do this rather than that. And, uh, which it worked for him, but that doesn't work for everybody. You know, I, it's, it's hard to, uh, to think of. And as Anna says, her, her biggest beef is the sponsor that is akin to an untrained therapist to the addict. Because the patient will tell her, my sponsor said. And yeah, I agree with you on that, Anna. I know that the, uh, my father's sponsor, when he first started, was very uh, much instilling in him that uh, my mother, my sister, and I were the fault of his drinking. Not They were not his problems, basically. And um, that's, it was not long after that that he and my mom separated. Well, and so. what I, I wrote in there that I view the sponsors almost as coaches, but they shouldn't be the only ones. You know, you have to have those professional mm-hmm. licensed counselors, therapists. Sorry, I misspelled that. Um, our key, you know, because mm-hmm. she's right it, that it's a person, um, it's someone who's sharing their experiences. Um, it's not someone who's trained and you can't have that. Sometimes I have seen in that sponsor, um, relationship, um, that they almost put all the weight in what the sponsor says. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anna says, I've listed to the AANA group state the litany of their woes and finished with God is going to help me. Um, you have to do a lot to fix your woes. A house is not going to drop from the sky. Well, it reminds me of that joke right. about the, you know, the people on the boat and having you know, someone came by and said, can I help you? You know, and they're like, no, 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 we're waiting. We're waiting. We have faith. And it went on and on. And the, the punchline was they meant, you know, they were talking to God and God was like, well, you kept rejecting my, I sent you, I sent you this guy to help me and that guy to help me. And, you know, it's almost like you do have to do some things on your own. No easy mm-hmm. fixes in any of this stuff. No, not at all. Not at so, all. Um, it's a, there, there's a lot of work that has to be done with anybody who has any kind of addiction, whether uh, it be drugs or alcohol, and they want to get sober. And I, I, I also believe that NA or AA are not totally helpful in, in, a, in all of it, you know. It can it can be a help of putting you into uh, people that are in similar situations, but you also have to do other work in order to get your life and your act together to to live a, a fruitful yeah. life. And I've you know, like I said, whatever works. I have a friend who's been sober for decades now, and he will still go to meetings, um, and he's fastidious about not having any alcohol of any kind because for him that is something that he slip he has slippery slope issues there um so you know everyone's different as we noted everyone is different um betty says yes you have to try to do the work and not just point fingers and wait 
for a miracle. Absolutely. Never an easy fix, which is why Gabriel should be celebrated, Anna said, not always having his past thrown at him uh, by his loved ones. And Kenzie said they're guiding help and support, but you have to put the hard work and commitment in. Yes. And then, Pam, do you want to say what Kenzie was commenting yeah, around was gonna, Paulina? Kenzie was saying she's, yeah, she says, I don't see Paulina's crazy. Gabriel and her were in a very unhealthy and toxic relationship, and that can really mess with your head and bring out the ugliest parts of you. I think Paulina lashes out because she's hurt. Gabriel was not gentle with Paulina, and that left scars on her mentally. She really loved Gabriel and wanted him to love her back, but he kept using her and throwing money at her instead of talking to her. Of course, his addiction was playing into his poor behavior. Very true. Yep. Very. Very. And it is. It's the unrequited love. You know, one of the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. principal themes of literature um, that I think SR really beautifully in this series in many directions between Pauline and Gabriel, between Paul and Julia, between Allison and Paul. Lots of it everywhere. So. Absolutely. Well, we packed a lot into a little over an hour. <laughs> we did. We did. You know, and Kenzie says she finds it, uh, Gabriel and Paulina's relationship very sad. And, and you know, Shell's saying that, you know, Paulina didn't really care what Gabriel oh, wanted. Only what she wanted. what she wanted. Yeah. So I think, and I, this is another reason why I like our podcast and having our um, esteemed uh, guests in the chat room because I like the different perspectives that people bring. You know, obviously, Shell, you have a very different perspective than others um, in this particular uh, your the dynamic between Paulina and Gabriel you view in a different way, and I, I like this discussion. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anna notes, Gabriel just needed to do the hard breakup. So many ties to break, then getting stuck with the pregnancy he reacted the same as Julianne did. He did. He did. And in his own way. So I am going to leave us this morning with the band. Robbie Robertson, the late Robbie Robertson, was a big part of the band. Um, and so in the wait. So I want everybody to stay warm. Because we do have a cold freeze in this country right now, except for maybe on the West Coast. Enjoy whatever snow you have. And if it's too much, I'm sorry. And hi, Ellie. And, sorry uh, uh, we uh, we didn't see you. Uh, or you may have just joined us a little late. Please make sure you listen. It was a really good discussion. Um, and we listen. Uh, and uh, thank you all. And hope you have a great weekend. You, yeah, have a good one, folks. I picked up my bag. I went looking for a place to hide. When I saw.